You're listening to Wordslinger Podcast episode 144, relaunching with Brian Cohen. This episode of the Wordslinger Podcast is brought to you by draft to digital Convert your manuscript, distribute it online, and get support the whole way at DraftToDigital.com. It's the Wordslinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand, write your book, redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours? Now, here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the Wordslinger. Wordslinger. Hey, everybody. This is Kevin Tomlinson, the Wordslinger. Um, I am enjoying a, uh, a nice little round of, of really cool weather here in the uh, Houston area. Uh, very cool for March. <laughs> it's been like the fifties um, every morning. Cool, but not not freezing. That's where we like it. We like it right around there. Um, you always gotta start talking about the weather uh, in these things. So this week, I'm actually I'm, I'm talking to somebody I've I've had him on the show before. You're starting to see me recycle some guests. I know. <laughs> Uh, but for important reasons, I've actually been reaching out to uh, former guests on the show just to catch up, see how they're doing. I, I thought it might be fun to kind of bring some of these folks back around and, you know, show you the progression of, uh, you know, where where we were when we chatted, you know, years ago at, uh, compared to now. Um, I, uh, I first talked to my guest, Brian Cohen, uh, way back in episode 55, uh, Ninja Book Descriptions with Brian Cohen. Now... You'll find a link to that in the show note. Um, that was a that was a good interview. I remember that interview. I remember uh, because we were preparing to sell our car. I mean, our car, our home, not our car. Uh, although we did end up selling the car, we were preparing to sell our home, and so I actually snuck off to record this episode um, in my truck, sitting outside of a uh, a park, <laughs> using my using my phone as the uh, Wi-Fi hotspot and record, and I had my laptop propped on, on the center console and the microphone clipped to um, the, uh, the visor overhead. This was pre-video, so I didn't get any video of this. Uh, but it, was a, it, was, it turned out well. <laughs> and actually, the car, uh, your car, actually turns out to be a, a very good um, uh, recording studio depending on where you're parked because it's nice and quiet and uh, of course I, I was doing it in the middle of summer so it was kind of hot <laughs> and uh, the connection was a little buggy I think there were some issues but so you got to hear the air conditioner is what I'm saying uh, anyway that's ni- neither here nor there but I just I do remember that it was a good interview and I'm glad to have uh, Brian back on the show it's always fun to to circle up with him, uh, we've bumped into each other at conferences and events and things over the years. Uh, uh, he and I serve the same market, so uh, you know we've got things we can we can chat about. And we also happen to be we, we're both copywriters and we both do book descriptions and that sort of thing. Um, so there. <laughs> but um, anyway, I'm gonna we're gonna move into this interview, but I want you to stick around after. Um, and uh, you're going to get some industry news that I think you're going to enjoy. Uh, there's some cool stuff. So be sure to stick around for that. Thanks so much. Now, I do want to say before I get into this, uh, because I'll be announcing this at the end of this episode, I just want to say that uh, there could be a gap upcoming because uh, Kara and I are actually planning to move 
uh, again. Uh, this time, uh, we're going to stay put for a while. But I just wanted to let everybody know there could be a gap in episodes as we uh, prepare and get ready for this uh, for this move. So wanted to make sure I did, did get this one in uh, before all that chaos started. And there could be other episodes. It just depends on the kind of time I'm going to have. But we're starting to pack now. And I just wanted to let everybody know. So, But stick around uh, after this interview with Brian to, uh, to get some industry news. And uh, I may even chat a little bit more about the move. So take care and see you on the other side. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Um, you stuck around through the whole music bridge and everything. So uh, uh, thank you for that. Um, now, today I'm talking with a guy. He's actually been on the show once before. If you you remember way back in episode 55, uh, we talked with Brian Cohen. He's the author of the Viral Superhero Series. He's also a, a two-time USA Today best-selling author. Um, love getting guys like you on the show, Brian. So welcome, man. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, of course, Kevin. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, man. This is the second time you've been on the show. I haven't been on your show even once yet. I'm just putting that We out. don't have too many interviews. <laughs> uh, you have to be like real fancy to get on the Sell More Books show, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to pencil you in for, for you something in the future. There you go. Guest host. That's, not, that's the only two words I'm going to say for the, uh, on the whole Okay. Time. Okay, it's, it's put to memory. <laughs> so uh, now last time we talked, we mostly were talking about your, uh, you know, the copywriting and book descriptions and that sort of thing. So, um, and I, I hear that's going pretty well for you. How's that business going? Oh, it's fantastic. I um, am fortunate enough to have a, a great cohort with me, Abigail Denard of Seventh Titan Press. She went from intern of the Selmore Book Show to basically, hey, you're great. Uh, can you help me with everything? And so she's helped me with that and it's allowed us to scale up to, uh, we recently passed 800 book descriptions written for other authors. So Very, very nice. Anybody that's been know? fun. Can you, can you reveal? Anybody what was that? Know? Anyone we know? Oh, yeah. I mean, your, your, your best friend, Mark Dawson. Um, <laughs> we've got, uh, we, we, we've worked with a bunch of people over the past, Steve Scott, um, we've worked with uh, so many, uh, Kirsten Oliphant. I, I'm just trying to think of names that come to mind. Yeah, but, but yeah, our, I mean, our crowd, our our folks, our people, <laughs> the folks, the people, the people we relate to. Yeah, no, but so many people. It's been amazing to work with authors in all sorts of different genres, and to have just that little part of being able to help the process is so right. cool. And yeah. Getting that like little look into their story and, and, and getting a feel for what they're doing. It's, it's, it's a really cool thing to, to be yeah. a part of. Yeah. Yeah. I still do quite a few book descriptions these days and uh, it's kind of a referral only business for me now. And yeah, I like it that way because <laughs> you know, you get, you get the, I don't have to deal with the um, people who want to negotiate price and that sort of thing. Let's, Mm, yeah, there's blank. been some funny <laughs> customers over the years. That is yeah. for sure. You you learn a lot about psychology when you do a a service business. <clears throat> right, exactly right. Yeah, I keep uh, <laughs> pushing that very idea. So, you're, okay, so you got that going. Uh, clearly, you're still writing. That's that's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, I, I like writing. <laughs> you, uh, I don't remember how many books you, you had out at the time that we, we spoke last time. What are you up to now? You got over 40 books. 
yeah, over 40 books. A lot of those are cheats. They're workbooks that were based off of some of my earlier nonfiction writing prompts books. So uh, if you, if you take a lot of those out, if you, if you wanted to, uh, I'm, I'm now up to eight novels and a few novellas and then the, uh, several full length nonfiction books and then the, and then the workbook. So it's a, it's on author central. I think it's something like 50 products, but yeah. uh, who knows? Who knows what they, no, what they say. I'm in the same boat, man. I got 40 plus books and it, some of them are novellas. Some of them are serialized, you know, so I, we all mm-hmm. change a little, just a little, you know, I, a I, tiny I bit. Probably count up my actual, number of full-length novels it's it's pretty high now but uh you know when i hit the 40 mark it was really there's a big there is a chunk in there that's like novellas (laughs) yeah yeah well i i won't discount you you, some of your books as books if you don't discount any of my books books. i'm with you okay all right so we're great we have a good (laughs) we have an accord pinky swear (laughs) so which uh which of your books got you the uh the two new uh usa today bestsellers so these were two box sets that I was a part of. So these okay. were multi-author box sets. And uh, one of them sold about seven or 8,000 copies in the U.S. Uh, mm-hmm. and has more since that, but uh, and ended up in the 140 range, in, or 137-ish. And then right. uh, the other one was in the, it was number 31 on the USA Today list. Over fourteen thousand copies sold, wow. and the USA Today list is like I didn't really understand the the whole scope of it. It's essentially the best selling books of that week in the United States of like the whole all books, ebooks, uh, hardcovers, everything all combined. And to be at number thirty one in any particular week for a whole week is just cool. It's it's kind of a yeah. fun little <laughs> feather in the cap. Right. Yeah, it's huge actually. Getting to 31, cracking the top 100 uh from what I'm told is mm-hmm. is it's pretty difficult. Uh good. Well, congratulations, man. You did it not once but twice. That's that's an accomplishment. It's officially Thank an you. You do it more than once. That's the that's Yes, like, that's that's why I wanted to do it. <laughs> first first time could have been a fluke. Second time you mm-hmm. did so, yeah, exactly. Uh, and me and the, you know, other 18 to 20 authors in the set. So yeah, they're not right. discounting them either. They're, they're, they're riding your coattails, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't say that for what it's worth. It's no, off the record. Yeah. No, no. They'll, if they're going to stab anyone, they'll stab me and they will. They will. So, all okay. right, man, you, uh, <laughs> you recently did this and you were talking about this on, on uh, Facebook, which is why I initially reached back out to you. Uh, Cause this is something I'm interested in. I've talked to several authors who are doing what you did, but you relaunched your superhero, your viral superhero series. Yes. Um, why don't you t- so first, where did it start? What, what, uh, what was it like before the relaunch? Sure. Well, it was originally called the Ted Saves the World series, which right. of course I didn't think that World Series was in the title when I, <laughs> when I did that. So don't, don't end a series with World or else you're going to have World Series in there. You'll get a bunch of baseball fans, maybe not nice. readers. Uh, I don't know if that actually happened. But so <laughs> Ted Saves the World was the name of the first novel I wrote and I kept the series consistent with that name. I had written I'd written four at the time where I was kind of starting to feel like the 
shine had kind of come off the series. It wasn't really making the sales that I was hoping it would make. I launched it originally in uh, first book in mid 2014 and was kind of publishing every three months. So mm. not too bad. Uh, I did end up between four and five having a, a, a longer break, but still I, I thought that it could be doing better than it was. Right. And let's face it, you learn some things over the years. You learn, okay, maybe this wasn't the right kind of cover for this genre, which was right. the case. Mine was kind of darker, more urban fantasy in a way, but not with the right typeface for urban fantasy. Uh, I had, um, in the first book, there was a bit of Rashomon going on with some time jumping back and forth, which right. kind of took away the linear narrative there. there. There were a few problems. And also that first book, first novel I ever finished. So one could say probably my worst <laughs> novel starting off that series. And so while I sold a few thousand copies and, and I was happy with having worked on it, having done it, I knew that it could have been better. It could be better. And with uh, an additional, uh, at least on the first book, two and a half years of hindsight, right. uh, I, change things. I changed things up. I, I relaunched the series. And while it was a challenge, I, I think that it's been worth it so far. So this was the series that uh, when we talked last time, it was kind of inspired by uh, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and exactly, things yes. like that, right? So yep. did you kind of skew it away from that, that genre? I, I, that's not even a genre, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> Kind of that uh, quirky hero, one-liners, fighting bad guys and yeah, goofily yeah. chatting at the same time, but also occasional terribly tragic things happening. Uh, that's, that's, that's the genre, if anything, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay, I well, don't know what the bisect code of that's going to be, but... Ooh, yeah, I don't know. Let's, <laughs> let's not even... Let's not call them. Let's not call bisect on this, but... Right. I did not really go too far away from that, but I did fully rewrite the entire first book from cover to cover. Wow. Wow. And that was painful. It, yeah. Taking the first novel I ever wrote and reading it first and foremost, right. <laughs> that was painful in itself. Right. But then actually having to change it from the beginning, plot stayed more or less the same. It was just... Yeah. I'd grown as an author from, from at that point, having written six novels, I knew more, I'd learned more. I'd, I, and, and I applied that knowledge to uh, changing the book from the beginning. And that's, um, I mean, <laughs> it, the, the whole idea of this scares me right now. Okay. But I, <laughs> I am thinking of doing this with, with, the, with some of my books. So it's, it's relevant, but uh, you, did you, so, I mean, I know me, I'd hold on to that other copy somewhere. You're like, this is the original, so I'm going to preserve it. <laughs> Do you still have the original version of the book sitting there somewhere? I, I Well, you know, you can actually still buy uh, random paperbacks that have still floated around on Amazon. I did take yeah. it down on, on CreateSpace. I actually paid my original narrator... Uh, a grand or something that we agreed on. It was around that because you have to actually have a deal with your royalty split person. Right. Uh, you to uh, dissolve the contract. Both right. of you have to agree. And to agree, I had to 
give him money. And yeah. he did a great job. It's just it was going to be a whole new book. And mm-hmm. so yeah. there was really no point in having it still up and, and, and took, took it down ebook version. So, of course, there's that $400 paperback floating around that when you take down a, <laughs> right. a book that someone has a, a limited edition copy somewhere. But, but I do have it in, in paperback form, and I, I definitely have the ebook file somewhere, I'm sure, yeah, on my yeah. computer. Yeah, yeah. It's good, it's good to kind of have, you know, to, to be able to look back. See how far oh, yeah. you come. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, that you. These are things that are important to know because we have a tendency as creative people. I think all people have this tendency, but creative people especially, you beat yourself up based on where you are in the now versus where you want to be in the future, mm-hmm. instead of praising yourself for being where you are now versus where you were two years ago, three years ago, earlier. Right. You. Right. Uh, we need to be nicer to ourselves in that respect. Uh, and, right. and I don't think we're, we're not quite there yet. Yeah, no, I, I, no, you're right. <laughs> we're pretty, <laughs> authors in as a group, we're pretty hard on ourselves, I think. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. you, <clears throat> all right, you got this. So and I assume you, uh, you redid your covers. Um, yep. Covers okay. brand new, titles brand new, yeah. and uh, different products. So different uh, ASIN numbers completely. Wow. wow. Uh, you, so you start fresh. You totally did, fresh. Did, All did, the reviews uh, gone, everything. Oh, wow. That's the part that would be scary for me, really. I mean, you work so hard to get those reviews. <laughs> yeah. But you know, as well as I do, that Amazon really favors those new titles. That's true. There's that 30, 60, 90 day cliff. Who whichever, knows what it is now. It is this week. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, 37 day cliff right now. Yeah. Uh, well, I wanted to have that 37 day summit first. Yeah. Um, and, and so I knew that especially because I had five books ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I knew that I could release them in short order and get that 37 day cliff yeah, on yeah, all of them. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I'm interested in, by the way, is this Mm -hmm. sort of retooling and then using it, uh, building some momentum with it and using the wave of it to basically do what I have always wished I had done from the beginning. Yeah. This is your opportunity for that. Uh, you know, rubbing the genie lamp, uh, uh, going through whatever Tom Hanks did in big except in reverse. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whatever Zandor, I forget what that thing was called, but it's it's really like one of the few opportunities you do kind of have to go back in time with the knowledge that you had, right? And 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 revamp the series as a whole. Yeah, no, that that's uh, so. Recently, I pulled my um, so I started writing thrillers about a year ago. I switched mm-hmm. from sci-fi to thrillers. I pulled all of them from wide distribution and went. Um, to KU with them as I build a new platform, right? Because yeah. I didn't really have that platform. So it was an opportunity for me to, to start where a lot, I tell authors to do things like this all the time, but I mean, it was an opportunity for me to start uh, from the beginning and knowing everything I know now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's some huge advantages to that because the last time I was here, it was, you know, a struggle trying to figure everything out and I was overwhelmed all the time. So and of- the the other thing is, I mean, this is just coming to mind right now. I mean, I don't know about you, but 2014 compared to 2017, right. I'm also more stable financially. I can spend a little bit more money on covers. Yes. 
Right. I could spend a little bit more money on the audiobook so I don't have to do royalty share, those sorts of things. I can even, and this is kind of a Chris Fox tip that I'm pulling, yeah. call it a Fox tip. Um, I need to do a graphic now. Fox tip uh, <laughs> with a big fox on it. Um, he he did something that I thought was really interesting, doing the the box set of the audio, doing the and and I've heard of other folks doing this since, but I, I'm going to have it, it's not all out yet, but I'm going to have a box set audio over 20 hours. That's books one through three. Excellent. And because it's over 20 hours, it'll be very appealing on Audible, and I'm I'm hoping that that is is a real earner for me. Yeah. But that's not something I could have afforded, not something I could have set up properly three years ago when I didn't uh, have the funds for that. So that's right. another consideration. Right. No, yeah, that's, um, yeah, you're kind of attacking it with more resources. It's a really interesting phenomenon, actually. So I'm, I'm watching you. I'm watching you and a couple other guys that I'm seeing do this. And of course, Chris Fox has his his book, uh, and I forget the title now. It's about relaunch. But relaunch I, your novel, I Relaunch believe. your novel, I think that's it. Sorry, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Fox tip. Fox tip, yeah. We'll, put a, <laughs> we'll find a link. We'll put it in the show. Yeah, we'll find something. Uh, so you're, okay, you've, done, you've redone covers, you've redone, re, you've redone titles. I assume that you redid uh, book descriptions. You may have had some, some I did read book it. descriptions, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> were there, were, was that a dramatic change? I mean, from the original? Uh, not significantly. I'm, I'm fortunate in that I think I had a decent handle on it mm. already. I think because in the first book, original first book, I made it pretty evident that one character uh, had was a good guy from the beginning. Right. But in this new version, I kind of took the tip. I don't know if, if you ever listened to my old podcast with Robert Scanlon, The Split, mm. where we actually took uh, over 50 young adult novels, mostly young adult novels, and read them and reviewed them from a reader and an author perspective. Right. And so <laughs> essentially reading 50 books and parsing them out to figure out what was strong and what wasn't, one thing I learned deep, deep down was you need mystery. Yeah. Uh, and my first book originally didn't have any mystery, so I, I made that other character's intentions less overt from yeah. the beginning. Right. And as a result, I couldn't really have that character listed as, as another POV in the description because, well, then people are going to know she's a good guy. So right. Right. I had to uh, scale that back, make it more focused on, on the protagonist, Ted. And so that was the major change, I would say. And, and uh, that, that's, I think a lot of my clients, I know yours probably too, there's that fine line of what to reveal in the description and right. what not. Right. And so that was something I decided uh, not to reveal so that it would preserve the mystery in the book. Yeah. 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 That's, that's cool. And uh, you know, you and I have very similar methods. I've read your book. I, I I've stolen from you. Um, hey, that's fine. Look, if I didn't want it, anyone, <laughs> if I wanted it to be the, you know, the KFC mm. secret spices, exactly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have put it in a book. That's what I tell people about 30 day author. It's not, it's not state secrets here. I'm actually trying to help people with this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so all right. the same way. Now you've done this now with this series. Are you looking into any of your other books um, through this lens? Um, well, 
As far as fiction is concerned, I don't have too much else. I have a one novel under a pen name and, and a kind of a series idea behind that, but I don't necessarily feel any need to relaunch that. Currently, if I put out new books and those do well, maybe I would consider it. But this was kind of my main fiction series. So this was taking all my fiction yeah. <laughs> and, and running it through the ringer of this. So yeah. uh, I don't have any on that front. I would consider doing it with my nonfiction, but that would that would really be a, a whole different can of worms there. I certainly could try it and hadn't even really considered it. So that that's an interesting idea uh, for that. But I think that there's a few criteria to probably consider as an author. Um, how is that genre doing now here in 2017? Will it be doing well in three to six months when you get your act together to have everything ready? Right. Is it a fad? Is it, is it something that, that might not be around? Or is it something that is a, a pretty good seller generally? The superhero thing, it's interesting. The superhero genre, that there are, there are better genres to write in for money, more than likely. Uh, I'm fortunate. I mean, I was just looking at my stats, so I would be up to date. I'm on the, right on the cusp of about $14,000 in sales and yeah. pages read for the series, and I'm happy with that. If I'd written it in lit RPG, would it be 28,000? Maybe, I don't really know. Right, but right. I think that um, that's, that's something to consider. And then to consider how passionate about this series are you is one of my main things behind this series is I wanted people to read it because I thought it was good. I thought it was a story that people would enjoy. And my diehard readers, the, the few and far between that kind of kept me going in the yeah. two years since I'd written in it, they, they really were, hey, when's that next TED book coming out? And, and so I wanted to fulfill it for them, those fans. I have a cousin who likes the series. My mom reads it. These are all people I, I wanted to put the series out for. Have you heard from uh, fans of the original versions of the books? I mean, are, are they? Saying? Oh, yeah. Most of, them, most of them liked the revisions. I had one person I saw. You always think of the one person. Yeah. One person who liked the original version better. But I know this version's <laughs> significantly better. So yeah. for, for yeah. what it's worth. See, um, I, but, kind of, I kind of wonder if you could do that and still, I know there are rules against uh, duplicating content, but because you rewrote it, I wonder if you could actually offer you know, the both, both versions of that book. <laughs> I don't know. I, that's a good question. I think because it was rewritten from cover to cover, I probably yeah. wouldn't have any problem with it, but yeah. uh, you know, you're going to get a few reviews. I, I've got, uh, despite mentioning in the description that this was previously published as a different book yeah. with, uh, with heavy revisions from beginning to end, uh, you, I've gotten a few reviews, just people saying, I don't know why someone says this is a new book. This was an old book with a new cover. Like, <laughs> right. like you're, you're really offended by this? Well, if you liked the first book so much, why didn't you buy it? Because I didn't sell that many copies of it. I, <laughs> um, if, you, if you really loved that first book and you wanted to preserve the, 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 the integrity of that first book, you should have told 200 people to go buy it. But, right, exactly. Hey, yeah. I'm happy with how it's changed. Yeah, yeah. Those guys, they'll fade. Yep. <laughs> they'll yep. be out soon enough. Uh, so, all right. So, uh, this is all, I mean, it's all very interesting because I, it seems like there would be, 
a lot to go into this. It sounds like the majority of the work though was in the rewrites. Is that I would say so. Yeah. I mean, obviously I didn't write, I didn't create the covers. The, right, the right. covers were created by insert disclaimer here that you should always check to see which the best selling authors in your genre are using before you take Brian's advice because <laughs> they're going to do the best covers for your genre and disclaimer. Uh, Demonza did that. Damon uh, did those covers. Yeah. Um, so I didn't do those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and marketing was on me, but the, but the rewriting was, I would say the most time consuming part for sure. Yeah. 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 That's, um, and it's funny because when I first started this, that's the part that I would have dreaded the most, but I actually recently ported everything over so that I could start going back and editing and reviewing things, uh, from my Scrivener iOS app. Nice. Um, and, uh, I thought, you know, for a long time that that was going to be very daunting, but actually it's kind of a relief to, to go back and fix things that I know were wrong. There were, you know, that first Dan Collar book, for example, there are problems with that book that mm -hmm. uh, people have called out, even though it won awards and became a bestseller. And, you know, there's these little niggling little things that I want to fix and I've always dreaded it. <laughs> yeah. But I'm actually enjoying that process. So. Uh, and that's good. And, and that would be the same thing for me in general, just uh, having to go yeah. through this again. But, but Hey, if you can, it's not necessarily about not doing things you don't like. It's about finding the method that works for you to do the things you don't like. Right. Uh, for me back when I was freelancing all the time, it was listening to movie soundtracks and, and, right getting myself in a nice place and maybe trying to work out beforehand, yeah. uh, getting, getting conditions right so that you could perform at, at optimal, uh, optimal speed and proficiency. Right. Right. Yeah. Have your methods changed quite a bit? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I, for one of the things I hadn't had a chance to mention t today was that I, was inspired to finish the series, which hadn't been finished previously. Right. I, I, I had previously written books one through five and then, and then said, hell, I'm going for it. Put books in se six and seven up for pre-order. Uh, craziest month of my life. But yeah. I, uh, I, I dictated those, which I hadn't really done for books oh. one through four. So that was different. I had dictated some of book five. Yeah. And so that was something that was different in my process. Uh, walked around during the Chicago summer <laughs> uh, talking to myself by Lake Michigan. So that was fun. And so that was different. Uh, and my revision process has changed just because I'm writing cleaner first draft copy than I did back right. in the day. And so right. I mostly just had some, I, I, I mostly just had my editor take a quick peek at it, give it a, to a couple other people and then said, Oh, there we go. Yeah. It's done. I'm done with it. Get out of my sight, book. Right. Yeah, that's I'm sorry. I had a little pop up for some reason. Uh so Yeah, your your meeting with me wanted to end, but you instead <laughs> chose to give it unlimited minutes. So we're going to be here for a while. Unlimited minutes. I'm not even sure how we got to 40 minutes when I only have 27 showing on my timer. I think I started it late. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> but that, that brings us to the point, which is I generally try to wrap up right around now. So uh, I'm very, I'm going to be watching very closely to see, you know, 
what, how this goes for you, what you're, what you're doing. Uh, I assume sales have been much better. Oh yeah. This is, is more than double what I made from the original run, maybe even closer to more than triple. If I, if I really looked it up in depth, I could probably figure it out. But yeah, sales have been much better. And now that I know new marketing methods, like putting things into box sets, mm -hmm. uh, like the box set audio, like audio in general, which I'm going to have for all seven books. The output of expenses was higher at first, but the ceiling of potential earnings is also a lot higher. Excellent. All right. Well, um, that's good. I'm, I'm going to be watching. So is everyone else now. So <laughs> do it right, Brian. All right. Uh, so where can people find these books that you've, uh, you've made all fancy? Well, uh, currently they are uh, in KU, so they're just on Amazon. Search for the Viral Superhero Series, mm -hmm. and you will find them. It's written by me and a pen name, which is also me. It was a, there was a philosophy behind that, but hey, I mean, it, <laughs> it kind of fell by the wayside in the midst of everything. Yeah, but I, you, I was going to ask him about that there. because someone recommended the strategy of um, creating a pen name that is my, <laughs> the same name. Mm -hmm. And I was going to ask you why you did it. And I guess well, if you don't mind taking a few minutes. Oh, I don't mind at all. I be, originally. That could be the after show stuff, but no, we're going to do it. Let's just. Do okay, it. let's do it. Let's do it. We have unlimited minutes. We have unlimited minutes. Unlimited <laughs> minutes. So um, Casey Lane was my pen name that was going to be focused on kind of a fairy tale series. And mm -hmm. I put out the first book, which I actually think is probably one of the best books I've written. I was really happy with it. Cinderella dreams of fire. Uh -huh. And I was intending to do a series of fairy tales and I, I kind of got a little caught up, uh, got a little busy, got a little overwhelmed and then put a hold on that, but ended up with a, it, it's, it's kind of funny. I had a novella that I was giving away as a freebie and uh, I, I used Insta freebie to get a lot of, uh, followers from there, uh, probably in the, the 13,000 range about now. Mm -hmm. And people freaking love the novella, which oh. I think I wrote in a week because I had to and yeah. just sped through it. And uh, just because I wanted to follow the advice that I give everybody, which is to have a lead magnet, have it up, have it available. And so that someone who is buying your first book as that pen names first book uh they're clicking through and they have something they can download and read but i think people liked the novella even more than the novel and they're clamoring to get it on like where is it on amazon i want to review it right and so if there's ever time i may expand that novella which is called snow white's revenge and has a very uh kristen ritter looking character on the front okay uh, i gave i gave the designer a picture of kristen ritter and he basically copied her, but I think made it different enough, but who knows if I get a call from Kristen Ritter's agent, I'll, I'll take it down. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe they'll, uh, someone will see that and think, you know, I should make this movie and mm -hmm. cast Kristen Ritter. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, okay. Well, uh, let's well, go actually to tie that up oh, really to tie that up, which is <laughs> why did you do this? Why'd you put oh, yeah, that name right. on there too? Um, I, at the time I was getting the relaunch ready, I thought, well, there's a chance this pen name could take off. If it does, I'll have the, the cachet of both pen names, yeah. the pen name and, and my name. Mm 
Casey Lane didn't really take off in a huge way, mm-hmm. but I already had the cover, so there we go. So I kind of like this, though, as an idea uh, for – because I, I still occasionally like to write in a different genre. Um, I could make myself a co-author on that on these oh, yeah. genres. So and use your fun. pull to get people yeah, yeah, involved. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm on board. All right, All right. Uh, <laughs> look for that pen name soon, folks. Uh, and beyond that, um, we're going to go ahead and wrap everything up. Uh, they can find you in a couple different places online. Where are, where are some of the best places to find you online? You know, it, you're, a, you're a podcast host. Why don't I just say, come on over to my podcast, <laughs> the Selmore Book Show at selmorebookshow.com because you can fit in lots of podcasts in a week. You can. And we, uh, I co-host that show with Jim Kukrell, and we talk about the news in the self-publishing industry. We've been told multiple times that people like to go to that show instead of doing the work themselves. And so yeah. we save people time, and people like getting time saved. That's right. That's right. And I highly recommend the show. I'm a listener myself. So well, Thank you for listening. Uh, all right, man. Okay, uh, everybody, you are probably hearing the uh, groovy bridge music right about now. You may dance in place at will. And uh, we'll see you on the other side with some housekeeping and other stuff. And uh, otherwise, Brian and I, we're going to go have a little private chat of our own. So see you after this, and otherwise, I'll see you next time. Hey, I'm back. Thank you for being here. Uh, <laughs> now, if you watch the uh, YouTube version of the Wordslinger podcast, Brian uh, kind of cracked me up because as we were going out of the uh, the intro or the uh, the bridge music uh, at the end, he started dancing on screen, and uh, <laughs> so you get to see Brian going dance a little. And then uh, in the after show, he he kept it up. So <laughs> anyway, um, so I'm glad you stuck around. We got some uh, we got some industry news. I'm gonna uh, just run by you here. Um, and I think you're going to get a kick out of some of these. So first up, no love between Audible and romance authors. Is Audible ripping off romance authors? Yes. <laughs> but that's my opinion. And it is, of course, based on the latest information coming to us about Audible's new subscription package for romance titles. Uh, it was hailed as being similar to Amazon's Kindle Unlimited program, which pays authors for pages read. But when KU pays authors something comparable to the royalty, uh, whereas uh, KU pays something comparable to the royalty um, that a author would normally make when they got a sale, Audible's program is paying only pennies per listen. Uh, and compounding this is the fact that the program only pays the author once they've reached a $50 threshold. Uh, so a lot of authors could wait years before they ever see a very meager return on the thousands and thousands of listeners downloading their books. Um, not to mention a return on all the overhead of production, the the time, the the effort, the money. Um, there's a lot that goes into the production of, a, of an audio book. And uh, these authors, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to just, I'm standing by this opinion. They're flat out being ripped off by Amazon. I mean, Amazon is making money on each of these uh, these books via this subscription service, they're paying practically nothing to the uh, the people who created this, and uh, they're they've put a threshold on when they can when they, the author can receive their uh, their payment. I mean, this is just sickening to me. 
I mean, think about it. If you sell an audiobook through Audible flat out, you get your royalty cut, right? You don't have to wait six months to get it. You don't have to wait six years to get it. You know, you might have to wait 90 days. But we've come to we've come to accept that as a as a standard practice uh, among these folks because and there are reasons for that and it's understandable. But this this is just a slap in the face, honestly. If I sound a little pissed off about it, it's because I don't like authors being ripped off. I don't like anybody being ripped off, uh, but I don't like in particular indie authors being ripped off by a company that is making billions on their backs. So. Um, Anyway, <laughs> you can find a link to the story about this. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm just I'm very I'm very uh, passionate about this apparently. Uh, but you can find a story about this. Uh, I picked this up from Good Re- Good E Reader, um, so you'll be able to uh, uh, check that out in the show notes of this episode at wordslingerpodcast.com. And of course, uh, reach out to me. Go to wordslingerpodcast.com. Leave me a comment on the episode, or send me an email, or anything you like. Uh, just let me know what you think of this. Um, I expect that there are people who are going to disagree with me, have a different philosophical view on this, uh, than I have, but whatever, it still pisses me off. So, (laughs) um, an uppity author thinks authors should be paid for their work. This is shocking. No, actually this comes from, uh, uh, author Philip Pullman, um, very popular author, uh, n- in no way uppity in my opinion, <laughs> but the, uh, he, there, he thinks that there's something a bit unbalanced about the fact that profits and margins are increasing in the publishing industry, but the share given to the author is diminishing. Uh, in a quote from The Guardian, Pullman said, to allow corporate profits to be so high at a time when author earnings are markedly falling is, apart from anything else, shockingly bad husbandry. It's perfectly possible to make a good profit and pay a fair return to all those on the uh, on whose work, after all, everything else depends. But that's not happening at the moment. Now, this would seem uh, a good time to point out that indie authors keep a much bigger share of their royalties. <laughs> and it's true. They work for it, okay? In terms of marketing and platform building, uh, the, dis- the disparity between uh, what authors make versus... Uh, what shareholders and stakeholders make is astounding. It's about three times what the authors make for their work. Three times the share a person. Now, granted, they're throwing in some 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 big capital sometimes to own these shares, but they could not invest in that if it were not for the authors. The authors are, in my opinion, I admit, as much a shareholder as someone buying in on shares because of the time and work and energy put into producing the book, the, uh, the, the personal investment on the author, the, the business could not freaking exist without the author, but the author gets paid less than everybody. The janitor gets paid more than the author. So that again, hot button with me. But here's where I think uh, we could turn it around. I think that the traditional industry, if they would embrace a hybrid model, uh, could actually make a profit, make more profit, cultivate a bigger list of best-selling authors, and um, the authors themselves could actually get get paid more. And the way this would work is um, 
the uh, the infrastructure uh, is already there for the traditional publishing crowd. They've already got their uh, their lines to uh, placing books in bookstores, marketing, uh, doing organizing book tours. They've already got all that stuff set up. Um, the investment for the author is going to have to be uh, committing the time to do marketing on their own. But the but here's the deal: the traditional publishers could actually just aid the authors in uh, in building their platforms. So aid the author in increasing discoverability, increasing their reach, increasing their reader base. Um, help the author by giving them the tools to go out and produce uh, uh, more results on the publisher's behalf, right? So the author is going to have to own this. They're going to have to treat it like a business. I'm sorry, folks. I mean, I know I just read an article this morning about you know, the idea that authors are, are growing increasingly frustrated with this notion that they have to be a business person as well as an author, and they're lamenting the fact that they they just want to write. I get it, man. I, that's all I want to do, too. But you have to think of your career as a career. <laughs> and if you're not doing that, you're not making any money. Um, that's the consequence. You can do whatever you want in life, right? You do anything you want in life. As long as you're willing to live with the consequences, the consequence of not treating your book business like a business, treating your career like a career, is you don't make enough money to keep doing it. So, um, unicorns uh, are are there, <laughs> but uh, for the most part, <clears throat> those of us who actually want to make a living at this stuff have to embrace that. So, I think what's going to happen on this front is. The indie publishing industry and the traditional publishing industry will have to start working together in order for everybody to win. Or one of those is going to eliminate the other. And I'll give you a little hint. I'll give you just a hint. <laughs> indie publishing ain't going nowhere. And uh, you can, all the, uh, I've seen a thousand articles that support this idea that ebooks are on their way out, indie publishing is a fad, everything is fading, people don't trust the content, they don't trust that, you know, they're not getting the quality that they expect. Hey, say whatever you want, but I can point to a few thousand indie authors who are making a very good living, despite being told, by the way, by uh, some people in the know, that only about 20 people on the planet are making their living as a writer. So... That no, that blows my mind. By the way, because <laughs> it, what is making a living? Do we are we saying they're making a million dollars a month, or are we saying they're paying their mortgage, paying for their food, you know, putting their kids in school? Because uh, my definition of making a living may be dramatically different than other people's definitions. That's the only thing I can figure. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, boy, I'm feisty today. Okay, so um. Next up, Barnes & Noble's comeback will be a slow burn. Uh, BN hasn't been feeling so well lately. And uh, their, own, their road to recovery is going to be long. <laughs> so, following a lackluster holiday season and a series of unexpected layoffs in February, Barnes & Noble has released details of its long-term strategic plan. I put that in quotes. Um, the idea is to improve customer satisfaction and profitability by going back to book sales as the focus, there's an idea. Uh, it looked like they're they're finally waking up to the fact that no one actually buys music or DVDs at a Barnes Noble or anywhere really. <laughs> so uh, those things will likely fall out of the offering. Um, 
Barnes & Noble is putting their money on uh, gifts and stationery uh, because, you know, that'll work. <laughs> I, uh, I know I buy all my stationery from Barnes & Noble. Uh, whatever. I, I, I will admit, though, I do buy that, that kind of stuff. And I do buy um, gifts. I do go to Barnes & Noble for a lot of the gifts that I give people because they're usually quirky, fun, inexpensive, uh, you know, the kind of thing that you, if you're going to have like a, an office party, uh, white elephant kind of thing, you would go, you might go to Barnes & Noble and find something kind of cool. Um, but whatever. Um, so, <laughs> anyway, if, uh, if they do in fact start focusing on the uh, customer more and on defunct uh, product offerings less, it could do nothing. Honestly, uh, truthfully, I don't see any way that this will help. The uh, now the new prototype stores that they're talking about uh, would they've rumored these things are rumored to have everything from uh, wine bars and restaurants to you know concierge type services. Nope, not going to work either. <laughs> I mean, come on. I will gladly go and sit in a Barnes & Noble and have a glass of wine and have a fine meal, listen to fine music while I read or while I write. and I will gladly do that, and I will enjoy that experience. Will that save the, uh, the book retailer? Honestly? <laughs> Come on. Um, no. Here's what I think should happen. I think Amazon should reach out and just buy Barnes & Noble. I mean, just let's just get it over with. Uh, Amazon has already started getting into the brick and mortar business. Um, they have storefronts uh, in several locations around the U.S. Um, and I believe in Canada. You can uh, you can kind of see their plan in motion. I actually think Amazon should just go ahead and buy Barnes and Noble, buy all those retailers, uh, retail outlets, and uh, just retool them to to fit the Amazon model. Now, I don't know if the Amazon model is going to work. I don't know if there's anything good about it. Uh, I don't care. What I want is a good bookstore experience. Um, and I want to know that it's going to stick around for a while. I'm worried that that's not the case with Barnes & Noble. I'm, I will miss Barnes & Noble when it's gone. It's it's going. I mean, this long-term strategy is not going to it's not going to change. First of all, it's not even a strategy. It's the exact same thing Barnes & Noble has always done. There's no this is the same Barnes & Noble that we have seen for years and years and decades and decades. It's just not going to change. So, all that said, now this is I'm starting to sound really negative, but uh this is just a, this is another little irritant for me. Um you know, Ben has not really uh, I don't know. They're just not paying attention. You know, they keep, it's, it, there's a, there's a, this whole concept of, they just keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And we all know where that definition comes from. <laughs> so anyway, um, <clears throat> that's it. That's the news this week. I, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you get something out of it. Links to all these stories in the show notes of this episode at wordslingerpodcast.com. This is episode 144. So go, uh, just, you can do a quick search for that. If, uh, if you're not finding it right off, if you're coming at this at a later date, um, thank you so much. Now I did want, I did say I would get around to talking about the move. <clears throat> Karen and I, um, you may or may not even know this um, if you haven't listened consistently. So Karen and I actually came off the road uh, a year ago. Uh, as of April, it'll be a year. 
Um, we came off the road. We uh, we got we rented a place in the in in the Pearland Town Center, a mere four minute walk from our Barnes and Noble, um, and uh, I've loved it here, absolutely loved it here. But um, the downside of this place is there's no. <clears throat> so I'm sorry. There are no. Um, hold on. Okay, I'm back with fifty percent less phlegm. <laughs> Anyway, uh, there there are uh, no three bedroom homes in this uh, this this apartment complex, um, and as Kara is starting to work remotely a little more often, uh, it's just something we needed. So we are um, as much as I love it here, as much as I love the convenience of being five minutes away from bars, restaurants, bookstores, uh, you name it. Uh, we're going to surrender that advantage, and we're going to move to Sugarland, Texas. That's where we used to live. Um, we'll be closer to her family and really kind of closer to my family and friends. Um, but we also are upgrading our lifestyle a little. Uh, very nice place, man. It's like a luxury apartment kind of thing. And the, the plan is we'll stay there for five years minimum and then uh, move into a home we'll purchase uh, if we manage to purchase a home between now and that five-year goal or five-year date, uh, we'll move. But that's the last move for me for a while. Um, for the rest of my life, I hope. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm kind of done with, uh, with moving stuff. I don't mind moving me and Kara. Uh, the whole RV thing was meant to be us living a more minimalist lifestyle. Turns out Kara's not a big fan. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, we're gonna we're still traveling. We're still doing our thing. We're still nomadic by nature. Uh, going forward, we're th- we're thinking we might start looking into buying properties around the U.S. and possibly the world. And uh, we'll see. We'll just see how that goes. We're, we're gonna take that a little time. Those are long-term strategies. And unlike Barnes and Noble, the, our long-term strategies uh, could happen. So <laughs> I'm so snipey today. Um, Anyway, I hope you uh, I hope you got a lot out of this episode of the Wordslinger Podcast. I'm going to wrap things up, and uh, we're going to move on. But I do appreciate you coming around. If you'd like to support me in the show, uh, there are a lot of ways to do that. Of course, you can go to um, wordslingerpodcast.com. Click on any of the uh, sponsor links there. You can uh, go to drafttodigital.com slash wordslinger and sign up for a DDD account. That can benefit me. Um, and... Uh, you know, the best way to support me always is to buy my books. You can check them out. Wordslingerpodcast.com, will, will, uh, it's going to be the gateway. You can actually get to my books page from there. KevinTumlinson.com slash books is the shortcut, but you can get there from Wordslinger. And, uh, you know, I write historical thr- uh, historical thrillers. I do. I write archaeological thrillers these days, uh, but I've got some sci-fi, YA, fantasy, um, a whole bunch of stuff there that you might enjoy. And, uh, you know, I'm continuing to plug away on those. So thank you so much for being a listener, a supporter, uh, a friend. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful weekend ahead. God bless you. We're going to be packing, uh, and I'll be thinking of you the whole time. (laughs) So if anybody would like to come help us move, uh, just let me know. But otherwise, God bless each of you, and I'll see you all next time.
word slinger. <laughs> <laughs>